0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Conscious Vibe Podcast, where
1: we elevate intellect through conscious dialogue
0: while exploring race, politics, business, and culture. I'm Dr. Darrell L. Jones. And I'm Charles D. Mitchell. Charles, good to see you. How are you, man? Lunch was good? Lunch was great. Day, I think man. we're onto something. I do, too. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. That should be exciting. We'll stretch that out a little bit. For sure, for sure. So uh, today we have my man... Peter Flick. Flick, uh, recent relocation victim, <laughs> just <laughs> on a headed back to Philly. I shouldn't say victim cause you know, you, you went back home for a lot of good reasons and, uh, excited for you and your family. Although we really miss you guys already, but, yeah, uh, likewise. just going to jump in. Welcome to the show. First of all, but, uh, we, we, we've got a lot to talk about, um, and, uh, not as long as I think we'd like to have to like, uh, know fully talk about you know what we wanted to learn from you about your story so um just just give us you know i i share it with dj and actually dj listened to your podcast with your buddy pete that you grew up with um or at least you know your friend from high school and some of your um your trials if you will um as a teenager um dealing with alcohol and and that whole story with you know recovery and and, and all of that and how it impacted you in your life why don't you give us uh you know a a a I I don't want to say cliff notes but give us you know some background history on that and how it started for you and I think DJ and I will will jump in whenever we can with questions and uh we'll go from there
2: yeah sure so well thanks for having me it's good to see you guys both uh on the zoom so the Cliff Note version is: I grew up in a great family, oldest of two, a lot of cousins, a lot of lot of family get-togethers. Uh, right outside Philadelphia, right right actually next to Villanova University. And I think the podcast you're you're talking about was a a friend of mine. His. Uh, is doing a podcast interviewing people that have gotten sober <clears throat> and and telling their story and and i had uh, interestingly enough grew up with him and uh we were not uh we were not sober when we were hanging out in high school i got sober very young uh as a seventeen year old i um i got sober and and kind of what led to that was really seventh eighth grade you know like we had a lot of family parties and and there was always beer around our family was in the beer business um kind of before i came along but when by the time i got along we were out of the beer business but family owned
0: your middle name is is associated with the beer brand if you will like a, a family beer
2: it is yeah so my middle name is ortlieb and Uh, so from the late 1800s to maybe 1965, it was, uh, one of the top beers in Philadelphia and, and, and the, the beer business was very regional and, and, um, and so it was Ortlieb's beer and my middle name is Ortlieb. And so there was just a lot of family pride around that business and also a lot of, a lot of association, uh positive associations with, you know, parties and and people singing, playing the piano, just like having a good time. And so I I thought it was great. It was it was very conducive to my personality. I loved hanging out with my older cousins and and there was just constantly parties and and there really was never <clears throat> uh, any, I was not exposed to any, anyone, like I never saw anyone that I could say was like drunk, um, that I noticed at least, um, there was never really like a bad, a bad, uh, experience around alcohol for me. Um, like I was never like, Oh, I never want to be like, you know, my dad or my uncle or someone that was, you know, drinking just wasn't, they, they were all quite social about it. And, uh, And then I had my first, my first sort of drink, um, when I was probably in seventh grade at a party and I, 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 I really ran to it kind of like a moth to a flame. I mean, I was, I was very just attracted to that scene of that, that just social party scene of being social, I guess. And, and, um, And so, fast forward, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth grade, things started to not go so well for me. Um, And I, you know, I was I was the the student with a lot of potential, the athlete with potential, but but really was more, you know, I was like all American at being the class clown and uh, gotten into some trouble just trying to be funny, just trying to get people to like me. It was really what was going on. And, and I felt that, that being extra social was going to be what I was really good at. And, um,
0: I remember you saying that, uh, in the other podcast was like, you, 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 you weren't necessarily going to be like the straight A student. You weren't going to be like the, the greatest athlete, but you knew that the one thing you could be good at, like you could be the life of the party. Like you could be the fun guy. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, I really, I had, I think, a lot of probably high and unrealistic expectations. Uh, I was just very immature at the time, but with high expectations, and and the way that that showed up for me was, um, if I really wasn't achieving what I thought, like if it wasn't really easy, if it didn't come easy to me, then I I gave up, and that you know academics and sports were ones that i didn't give up but i i really didn't identify as okay i'm gonna i i'm gonna be number one at this in my class or something like that and and when it came to to being social i was like i at 100 can be number one in my class at this like i do not have an ounce of doubt that i can go into any situation with with al- uh, pre- predominantly alcohol and have a great time and feel completely confident and um and that was pretty empowering for uh for a young kid like me who um i mean it was just very empowering and it was very comforting and very it felt very stable actually and very very predictable and and consistent and um
0: you know, I really really connected with that, Pete, when I heard that because I just remember when I was in high school too. You know, I was, you know, I love to have fun. I always talk about my my daughter Jaden that you know, yeah. and um, how much she loves to have fun, and it worries me sometimes because I see a lot of mm. myself in her. And I always wanted to be. I mean, I was a little bit of a class clown. Mm. Always wanted to be the life of the party, hanging out with my friends. And I think about that in in a way where. You know that path could have been a little different for me had I taken the extra step where alcohol was that important to me. Fortunately for me, I didn't it wasn't you know we we were exposed to it, but we didn't we we quite frankly, we weren't as in, as you know, uh, I always look at um when I think about you and just this the this, the story or the overall story, there was just a lot of ingenuity in <laughs> my yeah. perspective. I was like, "Wow." we didn't think of that, you know, in, in terms of like yeah. how you were able to get access to, to that. And so it never became, you know, I guess you could say something that was much, much bigger than, you know, what we were as young people at the time. But, but obviously for you, it was a different story.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think there's two things I put up, there was a ton of energy that I put into it. I mean, there was just a lot of energy around it. It came very naturally. It wasn't, it wasn't, it it didn't feel like work, but um, like I had shared in that other podcast when I was uh, going into my freshman year, three weeks before high school, I um, convinced two other guys to join me and build a, like a shack in the woods to have like, kind of like a speakeasy experience. And
0: that, blew that, that literally blew my mind. I, t- I literally took notes in what I wrote down WTF. I mean, it is blue. Yeah.
2: yeah. And so like on one hand it was, it was, really it was very entrepreneurial i mean that it it felt very similar to how it's felt to start businesses and things like that It, it just was it was misguided uh at the time but um but so there was a lot of energy around it in the beginning of like how can we do this like for me it was like how can we do this all the time and um and it was pretty clear to me early on that um and i think this is where genetics played a role that i mean i think when your family runs a beer business for a 100 years you tend to attract in-laws that like to drink a lot and uh so so alcoholism gets in the family that's just my own personal theory um but both of my grandfathers were were um my parents would say were alcoholics i knew one of them um didn't never knew him to to I mean i knew he drank but it was never uh i never had any scars from that but they did they definitely had some scars Loved their love their dads but had some scars from from growing up and i would learn about that once i got sober but but certainly didn't know about it growing up my mom was extra probably hyper vigilant around around alcohol about it about you know i had found a bunch of the fan you know in our attic found a bunch of beer signs um that said Ortlieb's beer and I was young enough where I was living on the third floor and my nightlight I needed a nightlight because I was a little scared to be living up on the third floor by myself and my nightlight was a beer sign and so you know like obviously not a good idea um in, in hindsight but um yeah so for me the way it progressed was like really life of the party um you know, hit puberty late. So so freshman year of high school, I'm having this this party at my shack and I'm, I'm 105 pounds. I was like 205 or 210 by my senior year. So I mean, I gained 100 pounds in like a three-year, four-year period. Um, and, and for me, this was like, that was, I was good at this. I was just naturally good at this and uh, wanted to do it all the time. Was in a rush to grow up and um and then pretty quickly, things got sideways i would say and you know sophomore year um got kicked out of one school for for doing class clown type pulling pranks and stuff like that and um and then was on to another high school and 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 by junior year was on my third high school um and uh was just like it wasn't fun anymore and uh and
0: like were you drinking like were you like physically in school present and no like you weren't drinking at school or doing school or coming no no i mean it
2: wasn't like an everyday drinker it was just like once i got going it was it was i was you know by my junior year i was going out instead of going to study i was there was I was friends with a bunch of seniors. And so it was spring of my junior year, spring of their senior year. And it was kind of like a, a little bit of a free for all. So it was like, I realized, well, I don't really have to wait till Friday to do this. And then there were a couple moments where it got really, it got really, it got really evident to me that like, okay, this is I think the, the the one story I'd shared in that other podcast was I was at a, a lacrosse camp at Loyola. I played lacrosse and was was pretty interested in that. And uh, it was a rec- it was like a big camp to get recruited at. It was kind of you know if you were serious about playing in college, you'd you'd be pretty serious about it. And so I went and and had intentions of being serious, but um, on the way there, we bought a bunch of. I had a fake ID. We bought a bunch of booze and uh and we're gonna be in our own like college room so um the idea was like oh we'll have a couple drinks at night and 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 my buddies were on board and then um like like the first day i i i went to like a couple games and then just like stayed in the room and drank and it was clear to me and they came back and i was like i was like cleaning up and and i it was very clear that i i had I'd stepped over some line of a line for me and, and, uh, and it, it got to the point where I was, I was thinking about if I don't slow down, I'm going to turn into an an alcoholic and this is going to get bad. And, um, and then that's where it ended up really The, the beginning of my senior year. I was, um, you know and 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 through that time, I was really struggling with a lot of mental health, like depression. I was super depressed um I mean it's makes sense with drinking and I, I started to take some painkillers a, a buddy introduced me to that I was like, oh wow, and we started you know my friend group was was kind of taking percocets while drinking um luckily, there was not you know there were uh, you know there was not access to um harder drugs at the time for us. So that probably was a a, a real blessing for me, but, um, I didn't say no to, I mean, I don't, ever remember saying no to anything, uh, that, that was a substance at that time in my life. So, um, so I was fortunate that I, 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 uh, didn't have access to certain things, but, uh, long story short by my, uh, by the beginning of my senior year, I ended up, um, I ended up taking, uh, one night, uh, six hits of acid and drinking all day and ended up in the hospital and intensive care. They pumped my stomach and, you know, I mean, I guess you're supposed to have a spiritual experience if you, you take that much of LSD, but I mean, I did, it was like, a like I was rewired that night and, uh, it was very, um, you know, I remember bits and pieces of it and I, I can't articulate exactly what happened, but I can tell you that I woke up kind of like a different person. And, um, and it was a, it was kind of a, I mean, there was a there was definitely an element of God. I I would say 99% of that night was about God for me. And, um, and I kind of was able to see a different perspective of how everything I'm doing is impacting other people and specifically my mom, dad, and my sister. And the next day I had woken up, I'm in, I'm in hospital, the Pope, I grew up Catholic and, um, I'm a senior in high school. The Pope is uh, visiting Baltimore, and the nurse has put it on TV. And I'm like chained to the bed, like I'm on a cross. And I I kind of wake up, and I'm just like, oh my god, I got charcoal everywhere, tubes in me. I'm like, what did I do? Like this is enough's enough. And you know, my parents came to visit. We're obviously super concerned. And you know, they said, hey, we think you have a drug problem. And and I said. Uh, i said yeah but i have a drinking problem too and that that was actually kind of like a big deal um for for me and i think for them too to um because i think it what i didn't know is it was really confronting what they grew up with uh the 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 alcoholism that that they felt that they grew up with and um and two weeks later I went to this place called the Karen foundation in Pennsylvania. It's a, re- a rehab. I was in the adolescent group. I turned 18 there and, um, How they taught me it. What's that?
0: How long were you there?
2: I was there like 23, 25 days, something like this. So I left high school. It was yeah, kind of a yeah. you know, left school in the middle of, uh, in October of, you know, October, I left October. 23rd and uh and then um came back right before thanksgiving and so that was pretty public right like senior in high school like pretty small community that i grew up in here and so a lot of people knew um
1: and Can i ask you a question yeah you um your sister is younger than you she is yeah how many years she's a year
2: younger in school
1: so you know, we think about the dynamic a lot between your friends and then your parents and grandparents. But you had a sister, too, that probably looked up to you. you yeah. Know, the world of you. Can you talk a little bit about that dynamic and some of sure. the, the phenomenon there?
2: Yeah, that's a great, insightful question. Um, you know, I think my sister, the dynamic was we were, you know, we were we were pretty close growing up. Um, it was just the two of us. Our family in general was was close. Um, I didn't share early on. Like a big thing that happened to us early on was my dad was diagnosed with cancer when my mom was pregnant with my sister and I was I was like one and a half or so, and he was given six months to live and he ended up beating it. But um it was this constant like other shoe was gonna drop. And so I would say that the dynamic in our house was I Consumed a ton of attention, my sister really did the right thing and it was it was was good she was a good you know a a good girl essentially and um and i think and I was consuming a lot of negative attention right and and then my mom was worried about my dad what could happen and so I think my sister um would say that she when I got sober then everyone was like kind of giving me like, Oh, like praise, like, wow, that's so great. And, and I think she, she really felt like she, um, like she, she'd done the good, she had been good all along and, and didn't get that attention. And so I think there was, I mean, she's very happy that I got sober. She was very scared. She was with me that night that I got, that I went to the hospital and I was choking alone with her uh, cause all my, you know, everyone else that was there left cause they, they knew that I was not in a good state and my parents were going to be coming home. And I, um, I bit down while I was get. she tried, I was like gagging and, uh, she put her finger in my mouth and I, I bit down and, um, and almost bit her finger off. And so she, when I woke up at that hospital, she had just gotten plastic surgery on her finger, couldn't play her, you know, her sport, uh, because of me. And, um, and so I felt a lot of, I, I definitely felt like, like what, you know, causing her pain and causing my mom and dad pain wasn't, it was not worth it anymore. I was like, I don't care if my life sucks. I'd rather not hurt them and my life suck than than keep going. But I think my sister, I think it was hard for her, right? Like it was, um, and she, and then she was there for like a year while I was getting sober and she went off to college and you know, essentially never, never kind of returned to the area. Um, uh, not because of that, but just in general, that's, that's kind of how it went and we're close today, but I know it was painful, painful for her. Um,
0: I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. That's a super, super deep insight. Um, great question. And um certainly could have turned the other way. It could have been a lot of resentment, um, you know, in terms of, the intention not being on her, obviously doing all the right things, you know, and, and and, you know, being able to, um, you know, maintain a relationship. I think that's beautiful. Um, you know, you were really close to a college campus, uh, Villanova. Yeah. You grew up. How much impact did that have in terms of that being really connected to, you know, uh, college life? And I know that that, you know, I know you talked about after getting sober how that impacted you being actually at villanova what was the difference between before you were sober being close to villanova but then the aftermath of actually going attending school there and not being a drinker in college
2: yeah you know it's um it's interesting like 85 was a big year for, 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 for Philadelphia, right? That's when Villanova won the national championship. I was in first grade and um, my, my aunt and uncle lived right next to campus. And that was the same house my dad grew up in. Um, You know, we were like big, you know, very involved in, and, and like had season tickets. And, and so I remember that, that, party like they went they lit off when they won the national championship i remember that i remember being at my aunt's house and kids threw brick through the window and like we didn't care i got to take the day off from school and go to the parade and like i met gary mclean and and you know like then that whole thing came out so i mean it was a um that that was kind of uh perception of, of college seems pretty awesome winning national championships and, and, you know, the, the, the party scene. Um, and I'd say like in high school, you know, I was, I was kind of, I mean, I live right next to it, but I, I did have like a friend there that like, sometimes I'd go over there and, um, and, and sort of absorb some college life. But I would say for the most part, I really wasn't, um, that like didn't really play too much of a role. If I looked at like all the nights that we were doing stuff, uh, it did not play a major role in in like the partying part. But it was a a big transition. So at the end of my you know senior year, I, I kind of pieced together a senior year of high school where you know, but at Thanksgiving, I mean, I'm in rehab and I'm getting out, and then I'm figuring out okay, what am I gonna you know what what's next for me um you know do i go to way to college do i even go to college you know am i ready uh very fearful about how do i like i had no real frame of reference at that point of anyone that had gone through college sober that anyone in college that was sober and so it was it felt like really uncharted territory and um I guess the humbling part about it is, you know, I felt like, like I said to you before, like, I felt like my superpower was the ability to be social with drugs and alcohol. Um, and, uh, now I got to go to college. Like what I, what i what I feel like I was built for, like if anything, I was built for college and I got to go to college and I can't drink or do drugs and i need to go to a meetings all the time and i need to figure out how to make friends um and meet girls and do all the stuff that i was now going to do in college and um it was it was um it was just it was scary more than anything right once i got there i figured it out and i was very active in going to meetings, uh, in a 12 step program. Um, and I, and then I playing a sport in college actually, and I, I never thought I was going to play a sport in college. And, um, I was so unhappy and just struggling socially that I, a, a priest there is like, why don't you go off for the lacrosse team? And you know, there was a, we were pretty good. We were division one, like ranked 18. Um, And, uh, and I was a, I mean, I was really mediocre uh, athlete in high school. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on that was, was getting in the way, but, uh, and I met, I met a guy, actually a guy through, um, through AA who's like, I'll train you. And I talked to the coach and the coach is like, I'll give you a shot. And I just put all my energy into getting in shape for the first time in my life really just to make this team as a way to have some friends. So I didn't drink. That was like, that was my whole approach. And, um, so it wasn't about being the best or, or, you know, anything else. It was just, just to make the team and be part of a group. And I had like my most, like the best, my most success athletically, um, of my, you know, that I ever had just by being part of the team and not caring about me and how I was doing, but just, just wanting to be part of the team and try to find a way to contribute. And, and it was not any, you know, they're not, they're not putting up any, um, I'm not, I'm not hanging in the walls of Villanova that's for sure, uh, athletically, but like, it was a big deal to me, right. To be on the team, to prove that I could get in shape and I could overcome this and, and make some really good friends and have this experience that I never, I kind of never dreamed that I'd have a college sports experience. And so super grateful for that. It was really fun.
0: You know, you talked about also how big of a role AA played in your recovery and in terms of just, you know, quite frankly, allowing you to have the life that you have now, getting you to this place in, in life. Um, you talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean,
2: it's, it's been the entire, it's like saying that, that it's like saying my wife's played a big role in my marriage. Um, it, you know, for me, uh, you know, um uh, the 12 steps, um, and go in that whole program has been, you know, everything for me. Um, it's given me a chance to, get to know myself, um, without, without sort of being afraid of what I'm going to find, build a relationship with a higher power and, uh, and then try to help other people. And so for the last 25 years, I've probably gone to three meetings a week, um, sponsored a bunch of guys had sponsors and, um, and it's just, it's been what works for me, um, but it has been a, uh, it's been the greatest experience that, that, you know, if I look back, you know, at the time, especially in the beginning, I didn't feel, I didn't feel that way. Um, I I was, I felt very out of place. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't know what I believed. Um, It just didn't feel like, I mean, I was going to AA meetings before high school and getting rides from the meeting, like a 6.30 a.m. meeting to high school, you know, I just didn't feel normal, right? Like, it's not what you're supposed to be doing at that age. Um, but I, I'm, I'm grateful that I was able to, like, walk to the beat of my own drum and just be like, you know what? My best thinking got me there and I'm going to try another way. And so it completely changed my life. And, um, you know, as long as I do what I need to do. Uh, it it makes for a great life. My wife's never known me to drink. My kids have never known me to drink. Um, and, you know, some people who are friends are like, I don't get it. Like, you can't just have one. And I'm like, yeah, like, I know I can't. Like, it's, there's an allergy that kicks in. And, um, and then, and, and I know that. And I just play around it. And as a result, what I thought was going to be sort of this, pain in the ass thing. It's like giving me so much happiness, joy, and, um, and it hasn't always been that way. There's been periods where I've I've just, I've not leaned in, but my life's always better when I'm kind of consistently helping other people um, and sharing what I've been, what people have shared with me is kind of how it works.
1: Hey, Peter, um, two quick questions. One is when, when you say sober, just for Clarity. What exactly does that mean?
2: That means I haven't had a drink or a drug today.
0: Okay. And then the And, second-
2: and if it's 25 years, that means I haven't had a drink or a drug for the last 25 years.
0: I appreciate that. And by the way, congratulations. I heard you say that last uh, fall was 25 years. Yeah, man. That's-
2: yeah. Yeah. Thanks.
0: And,
1: and then the, the second one is this um, You know, I'm thinking about everything you're saying. And, you know, number one, man, what a story and just the fortitude that you must have to operate as you do. But my question is, I can imagine um, you're probably around people, whether it's friends, et cetera. When you see a pattern being established or, or somebody you're picking up on something, how do you handle it?
2: Like I, I see myself and someone else type thing.
1: You see somebody going in a direction, yeah, and you're like, "Ah, uh, it's not looking good."
2: Yeah, so you know, you kind of, um, I would say the the belief, the, the overwhelming belief in uh, kind of in the program is like it's attraction, not promotion, and if like. I I would not be, um, if I saw a good buddy that was going down that path, I might, I might share, Hey, here's how I felt. And if you ever want to go to a meeting, I'm happy to take you. I'm not, I'm not, it's your decision. If, if, you know, you're the one who has to decide if you have a problem. I really don't know. Um, you know, I don't know if, if you, if you have a problem or not, but, um, now that'd be a lot harder if it was my child. I haven't had, I haven't gotten to that age yet or that that's a potential issue but um yeah i mean unless it's a i really wouldn't do anything uh except share my experience and just be an example um unless it was someone that uh either in work or in my family where their 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 drinking or drug use was impacting me i wouldn't i just would i would say it's not unacceptable i'm not gonna I'm not gonna like let you i'm not gonna let your disease injure me um and so i would i would draw a pretty strict line there but if it was a, a friend who you know i try to just be an example and i've had i've i've I, charles knows because he was you know uh i've talked to him about this but ironically i've had i've had a fair amount of buddies that i ran around with in high school that have now come in and gotten sober. And, um, and so that was never the goal. And I always wondered like, how do they keep doing it? Because I couldn't, I I just couldn't keep doing it. And they seem to be managing it in some way, shape or form. And there's so many variances of how, you know, when people decide to get off the elevator, that's going down. Um, But a lot of them have shared just, Hey man, you, you were for a while, you're the only person I knew that was sober and that was a good example to me. And that that kind of helped me get through college a little bit. I was like, you know what? This is super weird that I'm like a you know, recovering alcoholic in college, but maybe this is going to be the first example of what someone has of what that can look like and I don't ever want people to think that you know you your life's miserable because you're sober and so I mean I I I try to be fun and and have fun and you know and sort of that you know at least maybe that will help someone else and that that's kind of what got me through some of those times
0: you know Pete I um you know it's interesting I was just going back and forth actually with Craig through the past couple days and you know we we celebrated him in Mexico uh, early in June and just, it's just been this binge all the way through the 4th of July. <laughs> and last week, you know, the past few days, he and I were like, I just can't do this anymore. Right. It's just like, this is sin, you know, cause we went from there over to California and just, just, you know, a lot of the same crew that, you know, yeah. Just um, you know, I can't imagine being able to sustain that over time, you know, how it impacts your body. I mean, you know, we all know that alcohol is a depressant, right. Yeah. And, you know, we, we look, it's, it's a cultural thing, I think, you know, particularly in this country where we all use alcohol to a certain extent, um, you know, for, for all types of different things, for enjoyment, for celebration. Um, some people for just, you know, sheer habit, quite frankly, Yeah. It's, it's, it's such an interesting topic from a standpoint of how do we get to a place where we can either one, decide that one, this isn't. This isn't something that we need to have all the time because obviously it's not great for all of us, right? It's not great for, quite frankly, any of us, I think, on a consistent basis where you're trying to function in the world and be your best self. Um, But secondly, you know, to get to that point, kind of like what DJ just suggested, like when you get to a point where it's like, okay, when is this a problem, right? And I think there's a lot of people who don't know the distinction and can't really figure out how to get to that place where they understand the difference between, you know, I'm good with this just every now and then, socially having a cocktail, just enjoying some time with friends or celebrating versus it being being something that I have to have every day to sort of continue to sort of move through life and it's just not a good thing for me um, yeah so how does that how does that help how do, how do you help people through that 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 process of thinking
2: you know to me well number one I, I think it's important just to say that i mean fortunately. And, and I would say this goes for, you know, really all my friends that are sober. Um, I mean, it's a little different in your first six months or a year where you really gotta kind of protect yourself and, and just not be around it in certain situations because it's just not worth it. But, um, but you know, today, you know, today I don't, and I, I went to parties all the time in college and, and, and I'm around it, you know. If I'm out socially, I'd say all my friends are either <laughs> sober or they they, you know, drink and smoke marijuana. I mean, it, it's the very it's legal most states. Um and uh it's just very common. And and that doesn't bother me. Um I think what bothers me is is if I see someone that's 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 drinking the way I did, where they're really they're really thinking about it and um uh it's i mean for me it was like the point the scariest point was where i couldn't imagine drinking anymore and i couldn't imagine not drinking and that is a point where mm. it's it, i'd say it's that that's a good sign that it's a problem um i think
0: I wrote that, if wrote that down in my notes when you said that i mean it really, yeah that really struck me as just, you know, you can't imagine drinking and you can't imagine not drinking, like the conundrum in that, right? I was just yeah. really starstruck by that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say for, for me, and I, I think for a lot of people that have a, a substance abuse problem, whatever the substance is, it's there. there's a pretty clear line where that becomes the most important relationship in your life you getting what you need and that's more important than um you know you'll make decisions you'll sacrifice time with family to pursue that um and you know the other thing is you know try to control it right try to you know at least with drinking you know try to go have two drinks like do that 10 days in a row, that'd be really hard for an alcoholic to have two drinks a night for 10 days in a row. They, they typically would, would be finding themselves up at one in the morning saying, how did this happen? How did I, I knew I wasn't going to do this. And, um, and so that, that would be my experience with it. And I try, you know, like, I don't know how to guide a social drinker. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And so sometimes people say like, would do you have any advice for me? I'm like, no, I have no idea what it's like to be you like at all. I have no clue. Um, But I mean, if you're at dinner and you're like, you're, you're getting up for dinner and you're wondering how did that person not finish their drink? Like that's a real (laughs) alcoholic thing to think like someone else. You're like, that's so weird. That lady at that table just got up and didn't finish that drink. That is the weirdest thing in the world. Like how, like I wonder why she didn't do it. Did she not want to? Did she? did she have more willpower than me? Because I never left a drink undrank if I was uh, awake um, and it was around me. And that was just my experience. So, I mean, not everyone. I mean, there's different flavors of it, but that that was my experience with it. And I kind of hit the. I mean, I kind of hit it hard early and uh, and I'm glad I made it through um, and got sober when I did. But uh feel very lucky and fortunate.
1: Well, that's the tricky part, right? I mean, it, it feels like it comes in so many forms. I mean, you know, there are those folks who is just kind of every night. Hey, I'm going to close the night out with a couple of cocktails or a couple of glasses of wine. I don't know what that yeah. means. Then there's hey, we yeah. I'm on a golf course. Somebody's Billy Blackout. Uh, on the golf course. Um, yeah, not-
2: most, most, most like drug and most experts would say when, you, if you, if you're someone that's blacking out, that's a pretty, that's a red flag because mm-hmm. it's a sign that, and this is what I've been told. I'm not an expert, but it's a sign that your, your body's not properly metabolizing alcohol. And 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 so your body keeps going and you just completely black out. And then blackout to me is a little different than um like I woke up and I don't remember some things. Like 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 a true blackout for me is like I like I all of a sudden literally came to and I'm I'm somewhere like I, I don't know where the last three hours went and i've been i've been fully active fully doing stuff and i literally couldn't tell you what's going on um and that that does happen but um you know yeah it's a tricky it's a tricky thing i mean i think most people like i think you know seeing it there if if they think they usually it's it's not the person it's usually the people around you that are like, you got a problem before you know you got a problem is, is typically like, I have a buddy who says, if you're an alcoholic, you'll be the last to know. And, uh, and so, because it's, it's typically impacting your kids, your wife. I mean, there are examples of of folks that, um, I mean, I know they, they've gotten sober and they're like their, their spouse is like, I didn't even know you were drinking that much. And it was it was impacting them in a a way that was painful. But um, it's uh, that was my experience with it.
1: I had a grandfather who uh, he was just the evil dude, but um, he was definitely an alcoholic. And, you know, I to your point. I don't know if he knew or not, Peter, but I knew, yeah, um, you know he was a clown, and I remember I was making up I was taking the sheets off of his bed uh one one day, and I was I don't know, probably elementary school, and he had a bottle of vodka under the mattress, hidden and Yeah. hidden, and to this day, the visual was so clear to me, like I was wow. still thinking, okay why you got it there and who you have from like it's your house like what like what is going on and it was honestly he didn't want to have to get up in the middle of the night to go to the kitchen or wherever it was he's like dude i got it right here yeah it was just it it was odd that that visual is really clear and then i started to associate that with the smell you know on him and, and that sort of thing yeah i think you're right he was probably the last to know but everybody else around him definitely knew.
2: And it's a gradual thing. It's the best analogy that I I have is like, um, if you are, you know, you go out to the beach and there's like a, a, like a riptide or, or uh, I forget it's not a riptide, but basically, uh, you know, if you go out into the water and it and then you come back out it happens a lot like at the jersey shore you know there'd be a uh like a strong tide, a current tide and you go out one place and all of a sudden you come out and you don't even feel that you're changing and you come out and you're like 20 blocks down the beach right and and it's like how'd i get here and that's kind of that's kind of how it was for me at least, you know, how did this happen? And then, and then all of a sudden, these certain things happen. You're like, holy shit, like this is like I've gone, I, I'm a different person and not the person I want to be. And, um, and it's great to see people come, like, I mean, most people come in to the program and their life's pretty, they've got consequences. Their sh- shit is not going well. They didn't, sh- they're not showing up in a limo. And, um, I mean, they might have great jobs, but something in their life is not right. Uh, typically and, uh, relationship, marriage, work, friendships, whatever, and, uh, how they're feeling about themselves. And then like, if if they stick with it, like their life gets a lot better, like really quickly. And it's super cool to see, uh, to see that, um, that's probably one of the coolest parts of the whole thing. Um, for me at least.
0: You know, I wanted to. I want to flip over to the to the sober side of life for you because I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of good things to share around that. Um, but I, I did have a question around. You know, you, you mentioned. You know, when DJ asked you the question about being sober, you talking about not using alcohol, not using marijuana or drugs. What do you think about? And I know you, you, you and I, and, and some other buddies of ours have shared emails around things like psilocybin or mushrooms in a, in a more therapeutic yeah. uh, mindset. What do you think about that given given your sort of um history and 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 sort of understanding now about how that impacts you? What do you think about the use of that for therapeutic purposes and how people utilize psilocybin and mushrooms uh to sort of improve life?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's super interesting. Um I mean, I personally believe that 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 um i mean i wouldn't recommend it for someone but i think that that night that i i overdosed on lsd that um that psychedelic experience i i think rewired me and 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 had a lot to do with how i had a shift um coming out of that and i've been and charles you and i have have a, several friends that have gone and done Some version of psilocy in a therapeutic session. Obviously, mine was not in that, but um, I'm I'm very open about it. I I have a very open mind about it. I've not done it, and I have some concerns about doing it, just given my my past. I mean, I really love mushrooms, and so um, you know, I didn't do it a lot, but when I did, I. Did I did as much as I could, and and so I get that people say it's it's not addictive, but like I did it like four days straight when I was in high school, and like they didn't work anymore. Like I I, I just I I I, lo- I consumed a lot, and and in a very compulsive way, and so I, uh, you know for me personally, I don't you know know if that's something I'll ever do, but um, I work. In the you know I, I sell software into the behavioral health space. that's something I've chosen to do as a career and and I see a lot there and I see also I mean a no shortage list of of folks that just can't seem to get it you know come to come to aA and it's clear they they're like they're just I'm just waiting for a phone call that they're gonna die and um and so I think it's so worth the shot if it were my kid. And I'd been to 10 rehabs and he still couldn't get it. You know, I would, um, I would explore that. It's still really early. I I don't think it's something that's like, well, um, you know, accepted in the uh, recovery world or in the um, recovery therapy world um, that I'm a part of, at least it's, it's, it's kind of a, uh, a no, no, but you know, there's in Michael Pollan's book, yep. Change Your Mind, you know, he talks about uh, Bill Wilson, the founder of AA. I mean, w- what's cool about this is when you think about the psilocybin piece, like, um, like AA started in a really unique way in the 1920s. If you were an alcoholic, like your grandfather, DJ, like maybe you'd send him to a sanitarium or jail. There was no other thing. And there was a couple really wealthy families that had alcoholics that were like, we're going to send you to the best doctor. They sent him to Carl Young and all these. And they're like, we, we literally, we have no way to help these people. And then it was a chance encounter where this guy, Bill Wilson, was in New York and he um, was trying to quit drinking and tried everything. And he was on a business trip in ohio and he it, it like it like his business deal blew up he, he lost everything and he was at a he was at a hotel and he's like you need i don't even think he had enough money to pay for the room and he was like i could go down to the bar and drink or what else do i do and he chose to pick up a phone call a priest and say do you know any alcoholics around here that need help and he said, Yeah, I had this guy's disaster. And he goes over and meets him and he just tries to help him. And by helping him, he didn't want to, it, it took away his desire to drink that night. And that's literally how A got started. Wow. And so what what's kind of unique about that is, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's the people helping the other people, but it it ultimately it's about a spiritual experience. And, you know, that's what. You know, as far as I can see, that's some of of what this, what psilocybin can um, can do. And what's interesting to me about it is, like, takes away the ego and allows you to have a, a, a different experience in a therapeutic session. And um, I think it's really interesting to see where it goes. And like, we need help in this country when you think about mental health and everything that's going on. Um, and and so i'm i'm like really curious about it and kind of like following it and and sort of sitting in the, in the back but i am I'm, I'm uh i'm bullish that it's going to have some some really impactful um exp- you know it, it will have a giant impact i think on just how mental health is treated in this country
0: you know, when you when you mentioned the, the LSD piece and rewiring your brain, that's literally the first thing I thought about was the therapy piece of it. And I really thought that that probably put you on a different path because you were rewired in a way where you just realized this isn't working for me. And, you know, I had that psilocybin experience with the the therapeutic one that, that I think you mentioned, and it was just a beautiful experience for me. Um, and, and it was about the outward, not necessarily... In terms of like what it what it what I needed, but also the beautiful experience that I felt like I connected in a way with others in a more positive and real way, and it wasn't you know again you know not addictive in any way um, and not something that I've you know chosen to do you know beyond that but you know I think mdna and and, and psilocybin are, are you know there, there's a lot of study around that, and I think there's an opportunity to your point to help a lot of people if if we can you know find a way this for this to be culturally acceptable. You know, in uh, in our world, um, yeah. Shifting really quickly, you know, a lot of a lot of positive things. I'm hoping we can hit some of that. A lot of positive things that have come out of your sobriety. I mean, you you, you became an entrepreneur in college. Uh, you're now the CEO of a healthcare healthcare software company. I've uh, been very successful in, in your entrepreneurial work. Tell us about that path in terms of how it helped you, you know, sort of like move into a place where you felt like, you know, one of the things I picked up in another conversation, DJ and I talk about this a lot. It's like you feel like you've developed uh, this high emotional IQ uh, that helps you sort of lead and, and, and you know, help people thrive and grow in their work, you know, alongside you. Let's, let's talk some about that. Yeah.
2: yeah so, I mean, I, A, the first thing it did was it, it helped me just get, get. Get this major distraction out of my life that was just not adding any value for me, um, and allow me to go start to pursue some things. And I've had, you know, great experience, you know, working on Wall Street, working as an investor, doing a, I did a startup before this current business, uh, and then I wanted to do something in the behavioral health space. Um, given my past, I thought it would be really neat to be able to to contribute something, and so. Uh, in twenty fifteen found a software company that provided um, scheduling electronic health record and billing software to the Medicaid mental health space um specifically and um, and and one of the cool things that what we learned about that space is there's there's no shortage of demand. There's significant demand of of services. Actually, access to care is the challenge, and the the biggest challenge that our customers have is finding staff to be able to to, to do the work. And uh, and one of the things that it, on the Medicaid side, they they spend about two days a week on documentation of just all the all the notes they have to do, and it's 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 kind of complex. And so we build a product that helps them. Um, it's kind of like a Grammarly for writing Medicaid behavioral health notes, and it and it gives them recommendations. So if someone's really good at the work, but maybe needs help with speed or uh, quality of a note, that this tool helps, and that's been super fun and, and gratifying. Um, so I, I feel like I've had something to add to the industry, and then on the people side, I think that when you are, you know, when you get when you when you spend a lot of time in self reflection, which is sort of by nature what you do if you're if you're sitting in three AA meetings a week for twenty five years, is um, then you know working the steps and, and helping people. That I, I do think when it comes to maybe interpersonal challenges that that, that employees have, like I, I can connect with them pretty pretty quickly and easily, um, and I think that emotional IQ. Has helped build strong bonds with with certain employees that, that have chosen to share certain things. Um, and you know, I'm I'm sure I've got a lot a lot of growth to do as a leader. Uh, so I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm probably still scratching the surface. But yeah, I've been running a, a software business for the last six years, and it's been really gratifying and uh, and fun. And I'm really proud of our team and like what we've what we've done. To the, the medicaid behavioral health space it's part of that
1: so peter we're, we're coming to a close but i you know i personally i've met you before obviously but i didn't know your story yeah it's a fascinating one and the most fascinating thing to me is i, I never knew and I, I guess that just speaks to how great of a dude you are you know I <laughs> um so that's awesome but is there anything you think uh, we missed in the last couple of minutes, or anything you'd like to add?
2: No, I mean, it, well, it's interesting. So, I mean, I, I've shared probably a little bit of this with Charles. I don't, uh, you know, up until recently, until I did this other podcast, I, 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 I haven't really shared outside of, um, you know, I mean, we talk. It's important in in uh, in the in the program to have a certain amount of anonymity at the level of like press radio and film and 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 internet and podcasts is kind of an open question. Yeah. And so we never want to be someone that stands out as like oh I I've I've figured this out and this is the way because you know say I picked up a drink in a week and I'm and I'm drunk then someone else might say oh well, AA doesn't work. Yeah. And and I would never want that. So um but i'm I'm kinda coming out of you know I'm kind of figuring out what feels right for me I mean, I think sharing part of the story if it can help someone else is is interesting and um you know so that's probably why I never brought it up you know probably I never came up in our meetings i don't I don't want to be known as like that's not like the coolest thing about me, but it's an interesting part of me um and I just appreciate really what you guys are doing on this podcast I mean you guys cover a lot of topics um which I've, I've appreciated. I've really appreciated our conversations in the last year on, on some of the race topics that we've talked about that, that, uh, like I've appreciated the friendship and, and just kind of leaning in and, and, and talking to interesting people, um, and, and just everything that we've, we've covered and what you guys are doing with this podcast. I hope, I hope this was, uh, was helpful um, to, to the overall vision of what you guys are doing. And I know I enjoyed the time with you.
0: Well, uh, Peter, this has been great. I mean, first of all, you know, um, two things. Um, one, you know, I was really struck by when you gave your definition of being sober about it being about today. Um, I think that says a lot in terms of how you, you you look at this, um, You know, this thing that I guess some people call a disease, quite frankly, um, yeah. and, and how you live with that day in and day out. Um, the second thing is, um, you know, one of the things that I really value, one, I really value your friendship and miss you here in Phoenix. Um, but when you called me last summer, Sunday morning and said, hey, I'm taking my family down to the Black Lives Matter uh, March in Old Town Scottsdale. Would you and your family like to join me? Like, that was one of the things that's touched my heart in terms of like people that are in my my world and my circle who don't look like me. Yeah. Um, to uh, to reach out in that way and uh, really be um, mindful and thoughtful and, and caring about the scenario and the situation that we all find ourselves in particularly in that moment, I was super grateful for that. And um, we'll never forget that. So, uh, so yeah. Well,
2: the irony, and I know you got to wrap, but the irony of this whole thing is, and it was the other story, that the guy who came to share his story with me the first time was a black man um, named Mo, who played, he played in the NBA and he he, he kind of lost his career because of drugs and alcohol. And it was, it was actually the day of the million man march in washington dc
0: which i was there by the way i was a uh, first year in law school i was at that march i heard you talk and about it.
2: and so he came off the train and met met me and my family at like 8 30 at night and uh and he told his story and my family was like this is so this is an insane story like this is a really sad story why are they t- why like this is not apples to apples and I heard a story and yeah, the details are quite different, but, um, but I, I related to how the guy felt and how his relationship with alcohol was and, and it, and it encouraged me to open up. And, and so like, it's a, uh, you know, it's like that, that's, a, that's like a really interesting like fact that I have, like that, that, um, I did not have a lot of black friends growing up. And, um, and so I, I felt you know like i want to do something like here and teach my kids and and uh and sort of participate and and figure out like what does this mean for me as, as a as a white man that that has had limited experience with um with people of color just because of where i grew up um and i don't you know i want to be part of the solution and like what does that mean and like do i have a responsibility i don't feel racist but you know grew up a certain way and so um i think our friendship and talking about that stuff is uh was really helpful because you know it's kind of a scary like i don't want to say something wrong or be be you know offend someone and i think that's how some people might feel i know that's how i felt a little bit and i was like well i felt very comfortable with you charles and like we just connected the first time we met and i was like i love you i love you and uh you know what can i do like how can i be part of this and you helped me navigate that and uh and and dj also we had some conversations so um i mean that's still an ongoing thing experience in my life but um it was cool to do that march with you And, uh, and to see, I mean, frankly, to see the police there giving out water, like the whole thing was like a really cool American experience for me. Uh, That's how I felt. At least it was, you know, there's people really angry, totally get it. And, uh, you know, I wanted my kids to come out of that and say that, you know, you don't have to be scared of all police officers and, uh, and, you know, you can stand up for, for, for people of of all sorts that that maybe are not you know that that have that have been oppressed and so, um, that's kind of a tangent at the very end, very important part of the, the podcast. But it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, man.
1: Thank you man, um, unfortunately you're gone. But if you're ever back, man, it'd be great to know.
2: Yeah, I'll definitely. I will definitely be back, and I'll definitely. uh, I'll definitely let Charles know. We can we get dinner, hang out.
0: Sounds good,
1: Peter.
2: And let me know if you guys get to Philly.
0: Oh, we'll sure. do For sure.
1: All right. All
0: right. Love See you guys. It. Love you much. And uh, thank you, you for man. joining us.
1: Thank you for joining us.
0: And check us out on TCVpodcast.com.